and welcome back to another installment of Animation Broadcast and Cinema. My name is Bo Allen. My name is Jacob Rodier. And we're going to talk to you about some movies. Uh, I want to start off right here with a personal favorite of mine, Fast and Furious, uh, but unfortunately not very positive news. Justin Lin, a staple of the franchise behind the camera, has left the production, unfortunately, because apparently Vin Diesel is up to some melodramatic antics, I guess is the best way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, he left day one of production, which is very surprising and kind of uh, unheard of, especially when you're about, you're literally starting production. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's pretty wild. I really didn't think um, Justin and Vin had like some beef like this, but I guess you really never know. So Justin's kind of credited with revitalizing the Fast and Furious franchise with... Yeah, Fast and Furious 2009 was a big tone changer, and uh, there were a couple things that didn't necessarily click, but he ironed it out with Fast Five, which a lot of people consider to be the best one ever, and then he put out another good sequel with Fast... Yeah, I mean, it's... I think think the seventh one might be mine, which actually he did not direct. He did six and then came back for nine, so seven and eight he did not do. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, he is the kind of the vision behind what these movies have turned into a little bit and is very, very responsible for why I think it has become so successful, just as much as Vin and Paul Walker before he passed, you know, anybody that we see on screen, he is just as responsible. And it seems like, you know, Vin does the whole family thing online and, talks about it constantly, and it seems like he believes it. So I'm very confused why he's doing stuff like showing up late, showing up out of shape, not knowing lines, because this does not seem like the status quo for him. Like, I've never heard of him doing this kind of thing before. Yeah, and also Justin probably, like you said, he's been part of the series for so long now, and he has such like a deep connection to the series that it must have been something really, really big for him to leave the day of production. Right. It's it's so weird. Like I cannot I think, think Yeah. I think that Vin just I don't know. I think he's getting a little cocky. I mean, that's what it kind of seems like on social media. I mean, The Rock even left and like The Rock does everything big and he even left the series because of Vin. And it it seems like Vin is kind of like has this new persona or is just getting cocky or there's something up with him. Where, I don't know, he's just people are starting not to like him anymore and don't want to work with him professionally. I think, I don't think it is a, I don't know. I, I Well, first of all, the thing with The Rock, I, I don't think it, that necessarily had a ton to do with Vin. I think he kind of got, yes, he and Vin definitely did have conflicting ego, egos. Like in Fast Five, they couldn't, have a true winner of that fight because like neither of them wanted to lose, which is just absolutely insane. Um, I mean, they definitely have beef, especially from social media a couple of months ago. I, I think the biggest, well, I think that stemmed from Vin just being upset that he left. Um, I don't think I don't, I, 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 what were the reasons 
Dwayne sided for leaving. I thought it was just he he was kind of tired of making them and didn't want to be a part of a franchise he saw going on for another 20 years. Yeah, he never gave a specific reason, but from that video that Vin posted, it seemed like it was because of him. I I do yeah, maybe it is cuz I think Vin was also a little upset that he was getting his own spin-off. Right. Yeah, but, he was upset he wasn't the star, which makes me think he's like starting to become a little cocky. I don't know. I can see, but I mean, I I think I think he kind of feels like he owns this franchise, which I mean, he does, especially now that I think this is all very different also if Paul was still here because then it was still, you know, kind of two leading men, but now that he's gone, I mean, obviously he's not the only draw, but Vin Diesel is kind of the biggest draw in these i would say he's the biggest star of these now especially now that the rock is gone i mean i i think you could make an argument for michelle rodriguez honestly but vin probably has the most star power and i hope it's not he's not letting it get to him i want i want these movies to end if they truly end on a high note um which you know we're getting x part one and two and that's supposed to be it instead of you know 10 and 11 it's x part one and part two which is just hilarious and just genius from from that group over there <laughs> i mean that's how ha- it's half you have to end it that way it's got to be a two-parter <laughs> it can't oh, but it can't it can't be two movies it's got to be part one and part two yeah it, it's so funny oh god i love this franchise so much um but yeah I'm also sad, props though. to yeah it's very sad because i love justin lennon and he's a great director um but it's crazy that they found a new guy in like a couple days because they right. literally use lose like a million dollars a day because they have all those people ready to go in production and that all costs money. And uh, props to them for finding a, a, a director super fast. Right, um, Louis Leterrier. I don't I don't want to Americanize his name, but I'm gonna have to. Louis yeah. Leterrier. That's that's my guess too as well. Um, but yeah, solid choice. I mean, he, he clashed the Titans. Now you're seeing me in the Incredible Hulk, the Transporter. He's got like some action movies under his belt. Um, I'm sure he'll do a good job. I mean, he's also like good luck to him as well because he just got thrown into a middle of a production that he had nothing to do with before. Right, but he's he's worked with Jason Statham before, mm-hmm. and he's very clearly done big budget action before. He's worked with Gal Gadot before in a. Super Bowl ad, <laughs> but I guess she's not in it anymore. Now that I say that, um, yeah. Uh, but I mean, Clash of the Titans. I like that movie. It's not bad. The sequel's horrendous, but this one's not bad. I mean, Fast and Furious. They're not really trying to make a incredible movie here. They're just trying to make some great action. And and like he's got that under his belt. I think Transporter and Transporter Two. Like if you just make those movies, you know, we're good. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I have no. I think he'll do a a great job. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully, he gets along with Vin better than Justin did. Um, that'd be crazy I, if he ends up leaving in the middle I, of production. I bet this means that Statham comes back. Um, Statham wasn't in F nine. The thing is, like, pre production's already done. Like, the script's done. Like, they're ready to shoot. So I don't think there's gonna be any changes. Was Statham not supposed to be in this one? I'm not sure. I'm checking a cast list right now. Uh, well, they don't have many people listed. They just have the normal 
family, you know, like, especially from last year. Charlize Theron, of course, because she's, like, really weird that they chose, like, a running villain. And then Brie Larson, who they announced, and Jason Momoa, who they announced. So I think we could still see Statham. They like to hide and do little cameos in this, mm-hmm. you know? Except for, and I guess this is kind of going to lead into the next one, next topic we have on here, because I want to talk about kind of present-day marketing. Um, they In the F9, they just totally revealed Han was coming back in the goddamn trailer. Like, yeah. I was so upset by that. That was so... We they ruined an awesome reveal, man. And then, you know, okay. I I you I know you haven't seen any Doctor Strange uh, news, but the the trailers and the teasers they have been putting out are insane. They are just showing everything about this movie. I and not only that, they're apparently have been really careless with it because I've seen leaks that just ruin huge reveals in the movie. And are these leaks or from the trailers? So there's one thing from trailers that I, I know a lot of people just avoid trailers now, so I'm not going to talk about it here, but well, I guess, okay. So we already know that what if stuff is going to be in this because like, if you've seen the end credits of the Spider-Man, that was essentially the first trailer, you know? Which you saw that, right? Uh, yes. And the evil, you know, what if Doctor Strange was in it, and he was right. like, "This shit's about to get crazy," you know. And yes. so we know some what if stuff is starting to bleed over, but I think a lot of people kind of predicted that after the ending of what if. But I mean, they revealed another character that's going to be in it that was featured in the show a couple times, and it was like what. You know, it was kind of a what-the-hell moment for me. Kevin Feige was uh, sitting there on the red carpet last night giving sound bites, talking about how the Loki show plays into it. And I was like, I kind of want to watch and figure out how the Loki show plays into it, you know? And then, like, what else has happened? Um, Oh, the CinemaCon stuff, dude. They showed so much at CinemaCon. And all of these accounts, particularly the fandom Twitter account and the Culture Crave Twitter account, which are two that I, I, I really like for this kind of stuff, but they have just been insane with spoiling shit. Like, there, there were a lot of question marks about what would be in this movie and what wouldn't, and they straight up said, this won't be in the movie, this won't be in the movie, hey, this will be in the movie, just t- going pretty much debunking and proving a bunch of fan theories. And that's that's frustrating. Yeah, but I feel like this always happens with Marvel. I feel like the only case was No Way Home. Where they well, got the secret and everything else, it's always gets spoiled, right? No, I mean, think about Infinity War. Think about Endgame. Those yeah, are two true. huge ones that they... I mean, they were changing shit in the trailers to make you... you know, so you would have no idea what's going on. Like, when they're on Titan, they show... Thanos with only two stones, but when he shows up there, he actually had, like, four by then. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, Hulk in the Wakanda battle when he's actually in the, you know, the Iron Man suit. Like, it's it's these little things that seemed like they were doing to hide stuff, but then in this movie, they sh- completely sh- did a character reveal in one of the teasers. 
Like, a what-if character popped up, and they showed the whole, you know, five-second little character introduction, and the person standing there and saying, like, a catchphrase. I was like, it was like the Han introduction, where he walks in and eating the bag of chips, and you're like, oh, my God, is that Han? And then they even, like, pan up and have him be like, so what's going on here, you know? Like, I don't want that. I want to be surprised. Give me a good moment. Give me. Do you not want to win the Oscars cheers moment? That is true. But, <laughs> I mean, that's why I don't watch trailers, because they spoil everything. But, it no, but here's the thing. It wasn't even, like, this, this the one I'm talking about right now, wasn't a trailer, wasn't a leak. It was, I'm scrolling through Twitter and they literally had a five-second teaser that just went as I scrolled. Like, I was reading something when it was on my timeline. And then at the top of my screen, I see the character introduction. And I can't describe how, you know, I mean, I mean it was ridiculous. I'm so upset. And this is becoming more and more commonplace. Uh, you do a much better job of voting trailers than I do. Cause, especially because when I get to theaters, I'm like, fuck it, I'll just watch it. But it's it's like the Northman got a really crazy trailer treatment that took away like a really big moment. Um, I know you'd recently have seen it, uh, and that moment where he catches the spear and throws it back and hits the guy right in the chest. They showed that in the trailer. It was in the trailer. Wow, I'm so glad I did not see the trailer. It was in the tra- I mean, and it was awesome in the movie. And it was, honestly, in the trailer, I, I mean, I was already going to see it, but in the trailer, I was like, oh, that was fucking sick. And then immediately, I was like, oh, I wish I'd seen that in the movie. Like, they yeah. even show it hitting the guy in the chest. Insane. Well, to be fair, that is, like, one of the only big action pieces in the movie. So they kind of have uh, it in the trailer. I disagree with that, but this isn't the North. You want to talk Northman real quick for a second? You can talk the Northman, sure. Um, I don't want to, you know, this isn't on the outline, but... So we're a little do, doing a little improv here on the show, but uh, I mean, I would say it was pretty action-packed. They, it, spoilers for Northman, I guess, right here. This probably will not be a long conversation, so just skip around until we're done talking about it. Um, I would say it's pretty action-packed, though. I mean, they had one really long set piece when they were storming the, you know, the city and going over the barricade, but then there's plenty of little... I mean, there's lots of action when he shroomed the fucking village... And was just wreaking havoc. Yeah, but and that wasn't really action. That was more just like terror. Sword fight with a giant monster. Call that action. Oh, okay. To get the sword from the yeah, yeah, yeah. guy in the throne. Right. I would even that that kind of like weird lacrosse slash football game they were playing. I would call that action, dude. That just had the mountain just yeah, barreling over people. It wasn't like a, a battle. Uh, like a battle movie as it was kind of described as in the trailers. I don't, I don't, well, you didn't see the trailers. I know, but I'm saying that that's what they, they're advertising it as. They had that one moment, but I think the rest of it was more like weird mythic witch shit in the trailers. Right. Now, I haven't gone back and watched, no, like in the trailers they oh. showed that. I haven't gone back and watched any of them, but I, I don't think they made it seem like an entirely, you know, battle centric movie although it is kind of a bat it's a it's a one-sided battle the whole time you know the uncle doesn't know he's battling the nephew but he but he is and amleth is away is just battling you know the whole time he's fighting constantly 
Mm-hmm. Everything he does, even when he's just talking, is a fucking fight. It's insane. I love that movie so much. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it too. Um, I think Eggers did a good job. I, I did feel the studio presence in there a little bit, but they really let him do his thing for the most part. So, I, I can't really think of anything that felt very studio-ish. Like ev- everything, I just did, I think they they stopped him from getting a little too weird. I think I'm glad they kept the the weird ritual shit in the beginning with William Defoe, and I think that's as far as they let him go. And they're like, all right, you got to go back to some normal action here. Um, yeah, but they kept they had a couple more weird rituals, and they let him do a bunch of mind fuck shit. It was crazy. That's what I'm saying. There were like a couple ripples here and there, but. Uh, Knowing Edgar's from his previous work, he likes to get super, super weird with it and go to the extreme, and I didn't feel like that was happening here. But I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think it, it was a good mix of, like, Edgar's weird shit and, like, still appease to the mass audiences. Um, so I was listening to an uh, interview with Eggers, and he was talking about the making of this movie, and he was like, I put everyone through hell, and I think everybody hated it making this movie and he said except for Anya Taylor-Joy why is that he said and he he said like I don't want to like brag or anything but I kind of was the one who discovered her and I was like yeah you did you know the Mm -hmm. witch was I think her big breakout uh in terms of you know recognition from studios and then obviously Queen's Gambit was the more mainstream audience breakout yep and then but he was like, I kind of discovered her, and he was like, and one thing I realized on The Witch is that she was up for anything. He said she was kind of like an old school actress who was like, my job is to, you know, secure your vision, to create your vision. Like, I tr- like trust the director wholly, and we'll just do what she's told. And that's fucking awesome. She was like, yeah. I'll, I will do anything you want me to do in this movie. <laughs> like, I, I believe, I have trusted you. And, you know, and now that I was kind of thinking about it, like, that makes sense for her, because she does do a bunch of really weird roles, and you kind of have to be like that to pull a lot of these things off, I think. For sure. Yeah, and this movie did seem very, very gruesome to make. Um... Yeah, I mean, Alexander Skarsgård is constantly covered in, like, mud and just grime in this movie. It doesn't even look like it's applied. They just told him to go roll around in the back a little bit before they start shooting. Like, it is hilarious. It's real. It's a... Robert Eggers... shots. Like, it feels huge, uh, very intense, like, especially the volcano battle scene at the end. Um, Yeah, there's just a lot of stuff happening. It's very brutal. And, yeah, it does seem like one of those shoots that would just be... Very, very hard to work on. Um, real quick, The Witch was her first uh, feature debut, and then she had two like uncredited roles on a single episode of two different TV shows before. Um, Robert Eggers, I, I don't know if you get this vibe from his movies. Are His movies are fucking funny. The Lighthouse is hilarious. Yeah, no, he has definitely some dark humor in there, for sure. And The Northman is really, really funny, too. And, like, I think if you're not looking for... He loves his fart jokes. Oh, my God. That was fucking great. The fart really killed me in this one. And and there's that one moment right at the beginning where Willem Dafoe just slaps his dick. Like, Mm. oh, my God. I was crying. Um, he, He loves the absurd and the absurdist 
in the absurdist comedy, you know, like I th- like he had a bu- and like a bunch of really funny lines out of the uncle. Like I th- like he was like when he said the Christians, he th- he was like the Christians must be doing this, basically saying those people are insane. They worship a dead man tied to a stick. Like <laughs> that's a pretty funny way to look at Christianity and just boil it down like that. Yeah, oh my he God. like loves to like go back into these prehistoric, not prehistoric, but just like really. <laughs> he's, I'm sure he's gonna go there eventually, but. Um, <laughs> Caveman movie. One hundred percent. He said he's never gonna do a modern day movie. So. Right. I was gonna get there in a second. Um, Keep going. But yeah, he just like he loves to delve into these past worlds that are way, way like behind us, and just like for some society, politics, whatever. And mm-hmm. he he loves to delve into them, but he also loves to make fun of them in a little bit in a way too. So he always adds a little bit of humor in there, um, just to show how absurd they were at the same time as how cool and unique they were. What is the most modern Eggers movie we're gonna get? I don't know. Is the is the lighthouse as far into the future as he's gonna go? Probably, yeah. I mean, what what is that set? Do you think? Seventeen hundreds. Seven. That's an electric lighthouse. When was light? When was electricity invented? Eighteen nineties. You were way off. Eh, hundred years. <laughs> almost two hundred. Um, but I could see. I think that lighthouse is gonna be the closest. I could see nothing in the 1900s. Oh, hang on. I could see a dark ass, like fucked up, more fucked up, Great Gatsby f- type film from, from the Roaring Twenties. Roaring Twenties. Everybody dressed super nice. He makes it in black and white, and like it gets just super dark and super shady shit is going on. I don't know what, how he's going to make it supernatural, but he'll find, I didn't think he would make the lighthouse supernatural, but like, look at what happened. Like, yeah, but that's the thing. I feel like anything in the 1900s, he can't really go into that mythical side. I don't know. It's like too close, but who knows? We'll see, I guess. I mean, you can totally, dude. Oh my God. Roaring twenties. Just people on a shit ton of drugs, hallucinating. Like, (laughs) That's what the lighthouse is. Yeah. It's only 30 years earlier than that. It's not the w- most wild thing ever. Like, wild idea. Hey, what's the next makes... one he's doing? Nosferatu, right? Dude, Nosferatu is going to rule. I don't think that's confirmed. Like, it's not... I Like, hang on. I'm going to have to check, like, the app real quick. But he's got a Nosferatu with where he wants Willem Dafoe to play... Nosferatu, which is an absolute perfect casting. Like, it's on the money. And then he's got another one called The Night. So, like, a medieval film, I'm guessing. So, yeah, I don't think he's coming anywhere close to modern day. I don't know. Never say never. So, anytime soon. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, man, this shit, this, I, I could totally see it. I need to. I, want, I need to watch some of his shorts. He made a Telltale Heart short, and that sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm sure they're great. I love watching directors' shorts just to see how they they sparked in the originally. That's intro. His career is very interesting. He did three shorts, 2007, 2008, 2015, and then he did The Witch in 2015. Yeah, and that kind makes of between. Yeah, but kind of between then he was a production designer 
like his whole career, but all on these different shorts. Yeah, if you uh, listen to the Roger Deakins podcast with Robert Eggers, he goes into that a little bit. He loves production design. How is he making money? I mean, he just made The Northman, so... No, how was he? Between, like... You know, he did two shorts in 2007-2008, and and then he was just a production designer on a bunch of shorts, so... I'm sure he made a buy. He's a smart man. Well, clearly, but... He was production. He was a production designer from 2008 to 2014, and I think that was probably his main job while he was trying to like pitch the witch around town. But it was just on a bunch of different shorts. That's interesting. Very interesting career. I need to check out some of this other stuff that he's done. The shorts, and I want to look at a couple of his production designing, designer movies. Um, weird Nicole Kidman in this one. I thought. I mean, she only really had one real scene, and she it was killed, really good. She killed her her one scene that she had. She it was really, job. really good. Mm-hmm. It was good until the very last second of that scene, and then I was like, ah, like <laughs> I saw somebody was like the end of that one Nicole Kidman scene, and then it was the penguin going, "What are you showing me that for? Come on!" <laughs> yeah, definitely got a little weird there, but um, no, everyone everyone did a great job in this movie. Um. Yeah, I really have no complaints. It was it was, it was a great film. Uh, this movie con- confirms my thesis, my idea that every movie needs a scars guard. I would agree. Can't fail. He's the man. He got ripped for this movie. His oh, shoulders yeah. were crazy. Yeah, that guy is my height, and I'm like, ah, I don't look like that. <laughs> Damn. Um, he was in a, an adaption of The Stand, which is like my second or third favorite Stephen King book. And man, that adaption fucking sucks. But he's good in it. Alright, real quick before we move on here. Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once is killing it at the box office. They had... Actually, it wasn't... They, they had no drop-off and actually made more money this last week than they did the, the week before. Mm-hmm. So, fuck yeah. The word of mouth is spreading like crazy on this movie. I still right. have friends that are like just hearing about it and hearing all the rave reviews and are going to go see it. Like, it's still, this momentum is really crazy. And I think it just proves yet again that like when you make an actual good original movie, people will go see it based off word of mouth and not based off like marketing or shoving it down your throat or whatever. Really? Because I saw a tweet that said it proves that people really want more multiverse movies. I mean, I, I swear I to do, God, that's a take I saw. I do think it's riding the multiverse wave a little bit because of Spider-Man, but I don't think that's what's mainly driving this movie. There's um, no way they knew about, they were thinking, well, like, do you, oh, oh you, you, they weren't, never mind, I misinterpreted what you were saying right there. People um, were just, people just heard more multiverse stuff and were like, oh, I'll check out another multiverse movie, not... Everything yeah, but everywhere I, all at once was ripping off. Was like trying no, to do, it, no, do no, that. No, 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 not ripping yeah. off anything. Um, I do. Th- I just think people, yeah, they're on that multiverse hype right now. And I also think that once Doctor Strange comes out, I think people are still going to want to go see Everything Everywhere, and they're going to be riding the multiverse wave even more, and it might make even more money. Um, I I think there's a genuine percentage of people that is really confused on how this ties into Doctor Strange. This movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Maybe, but yeah, just the word of mouth in this movie is 
unreal and it, it's crazy seeing like a great movie like this have so much success in this way yeah it's awesome um real quick one thing i want to do i do want to say one more thing on marvel next week we're going to talk after we both see strange we're going to be talking about Raimi and you know filmmakers in the mcu and uh you know the relationship they have uh, the, the the kind of symbiotic relationship uh, or maybe a little bit more one-sided towards Marvel um, they have. But I did see a review today about Doctor Strange a lot saying that they let Raimi be Raimi, which I think is a very, very good thing. I do think the MCU formula at some point needs to change. But I saw one... That's But that's used to slight the movie by a lot of people right now. They're like, oh, it's, it strays from the Marvel formula. And I'm like, okay, sorry creativity was in this movie. And then I saw in the very same review, the mid credit scene was very good. And I was like, this is the death of movies. I don't, I never want to be the Marvel is killing movies guy. But if we're like, oh, fuck yeah. Great in credit scene. You know, like I saw a take today that was somebody that was like, oh man, I can't believe I have to sit through this two hours of movies to get to my in credit scene. Like that's all we're waiting for is an in credit scene. Yeah, no, those should not be accounted for any review. But it's interesting now that we're getting to the point with Marvel movies where everyone knows there's a formula that they use and the the mid-credits and end-credits are like basically just attached to the movie now. Um, But it's interesting that people are now critiquing the formula and are basing it off that for their reviews and not basing it off the movie itself, you know? Yeah, but all the negative reviews aren't critiquing the formula. They're saying stick to the formula. And I'm like, what kind of corporate cynicism or synergy are we doing here? Like, yeah, stop yeah. it. No, I agree with that. But I'm just saying in general, just like we're, we're talking about a formula that these movies are using. And it's right. interesting that that's now like the basis of judging these movies instead of just judging the movie itself, you know? Um, did you see that guy? This was going. He it was originally a TikTok, but it was going around on Twitter. It was this guy who was like, "You know what Marvel should do? Since people are like getting tired of like the big budget format, they should do individual stories about regular people in the world." And like he was like, "And you can make them comedies and drama and romance movies." And I was like, "Those movies exist. They exist. Just watch fucking indie movies." And it was like. Somebody like quotes him and was like, "This is the most cynical thing I've ever seen." Like, essentially, there he's like pro them destroying the indie film market, packaging it, and then selling it back to you. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, I mean, these people who watch big budget movies kind of have a mind of their own sometimes. It's made me a lot more like I love superheroes and comic books and. Marvel, very much. I'm going to love, you know, I'm probably going to love every Marvel movie that comes out and defend it, but I have gotten so much more cynical about it recently, and it's making me sad. I feel like I'm, like, getting, like, to be a grumpy old man talking about movies back in his day. I mean, yeah, it's also just, like, when big budget movies like this have big fan bases, and that comes with toxic fan bases as well when you get that big, so it's just bound to happen with everything. Everywhere all at once. Correct. <laughs> um, real quick, I want to shout out a couple movies that I watched this week. Uh, I rewatched Under the Silver Lake. Great movie. Super underrated. 
I watched. It's like a fucking modern noir. It rules. Then I watched Nightmare Alley, which is another modern noir. Up, up to that from four stars to five. I I I think it's super underrated as well. And in five years, it's gonna be reevaluated, and people are gonna be like, "This movie fucking rules." I watched Drag Me to Hell, which is a Sam Raimi movie uh, that came out after Spider-Man Three. I had not yet seen that, and that movie is awesome. It is so good, and it's the perfect like mix of Raimi's like horror comedy style that plays so well, and I hope it plays really well in Doctor Strange. And then I was on a Guillermo del Toro hype train, and I watched Hellboy, and Ron Perlman's awesome, and I said it was a great sequel to The Shape of Water. <laughs> Have you seen Hellboy? Does that joke land? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was like, the first thing I Googled when I saw that Abe Sapien character, I was like, is that where... Hang on! Like, I was like, what? What is going on? I mean, yeah, he's definitely building his monsters over time. Yeah, I mean, so. they just look... They, there's no, He confirmed there was no relation, but I mean, kind of the same exact character model, you know? Yeah, it's coming from the same director, so it makes <laughs> sense. Yeah. You watched anything good this week, or were you just too busy in Toronto? No, I was, I was away, and I got a bunch of music videos I'm working on, but I saw The Northman um tv wise been watching better call saul it's back on tv um it's been really good so far enjoying it a lot um yeah barry that's, that's about it i have not started barry yet i'm sorry to get back into it though i had to pause an episode that i was watching to record this and i'm just cannot <laughs> wait to get back to it once we're done with this fucking show <laughs> Damn, Bo. Okay. i'm kidding i'm kidding i love Sunday doing right this now. show I love doing this show. Well, we're going to kind of end it right now. We're going to take a break, and we're going to talk about Toy Story, our movie of the week. We will be right back. Hey, everybody. I just want to take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Album Book Club. Album Book Club is an online and in-print magazine where you can find tons of information about new music and up-and-coming artists. Issue number three has just been released and contains featured articles about Gio Sama and Lil Boy. Check out the website albumbookclub.com for ordering info, as well as great articles updated regularly by ABC members. Don't forget to check them out on Twitter at albumbookclub1 for updates and curated picks to whatever the club is listening to. And we are back, and we're going to talk about Toy Story. It is a very, very important film, I think, directed by John Lasseter. Wait, that's your thing. Go ahead. You got it. That is right, Bo. It is directed by John <laughs> Lasseter. Um, no, this movie is, is uh, very important, especially in the animated world. Um, I mean, yeah, just, just like a brief history beforehand. I mean, this was the first feature-length uh, animated movie done completely on a computer, which is really wild. Um, this is like a very, very revolutionary movie for the for the animated medium. Um, yeah, John Lasseter obviously had a huge part, but Steve Jobs had an equal amount of huge part in making this movie too. Um, he bought Pixar at the time and very much advocated for this movie um, and got them a, a bigger budget to work on, um, was in the writer's room, was always working on edits with them. Um, this is very much like his movie as much as everyone else who worked on it. Um, and yeah, he really kind of kickstarted the whole Pixar business, which is, which is crazy. Um, 
and gave us all these amazing Pixar movies that we have today. But yeah, Toy Story is kind of like the, the genesis of all that, and it's crazy to go back and watch it, um, especially since it came out 26 years ago, which is insane to think about. 26 years ago in 1995. Um, but yeah, this movie, Toy Story, uh, it's a cowboy doll, is profoundly threatened and jealous when a new spaceman figure supplants him as top toy in a boy's room. Um, I'm not going to list off the whole cast, but it just stars Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. That's Woody and Buzz Lightyear. Um, and yeah, directed by John Lasseter and written by John Lasseter, Pete Docter, and Andrew Stanton. Yep, that's a great summarization right there of the movie and a little bit of the summary of the history. I think we're going to go into a little bit more of it in a minute here. Um, I have pulled a review here from the San Francisco Examiner, uh, written back in olden times, 1995. Uh, Toy Story is a step in the right direction, a major innovation in the animation process. Computer-generated illustration gives a free-flowing look of realism and three-dimensionality that human drawing can't fully achieve. The 77-minute movie is composed of 1,561 shots, none of which were drawn by human hands. This was written by Barbara Schulgasser back in 1995. Um, so this movie, I think, what, while a lot of people... There was not a, lot, a ton of praising of the plot. Everybody was like, yeah, it's a really good story about friendship. The real breakthrough for this movie was the animation style, I think. And, you know, I don't, I don't think really many people can argue with that, you know, like it's a good story for sure, but it's not like a groundbreaking story, you know? No, um, but yeah, it's also very heartfelt. And I think one of the first right. animated movies where you could actually like feel for the characters themselves. Cause well, like, you really could like see their emotions. No, I disagree with that one. <laughs> Why? What do you think before? Uh, I mean, was it Lion King before Disney, Disney animation, like, was running the game and obviously they bought Pixar, but like there's a ton of oh, emotional sorry. I, I meant, Disney I meant movies. 3D animation. Well, that's because it's the first ever 3D animated film. Right. Which <laughs> we talked about. Yeah. The, the, I mean, there were ones before, but not no, before. never a feature. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. There were not shorts. Yeah, yeah. There were shorts, which one of which was, uh, I think it was called the Tin man that Lasseter did in like 1985 for, mm -hmm. Pixar, and that was the Pixar short that was before this movie on the VHS. Yeah. Uh, I remember I had that VHS. You know, I, I was born in 98, but my parents at some point when I was younger bought Toy Story, and I used to watch the shit out of it. Um, hang on. Wait, tell, tell your story about your relationship with this movie real quick. I got to go get something. All right. Um... Yeah, I don't remember when the last time I saw this film was. I mean, besides rewatching it right now, but it was probably when I was. It was definitely when I was a young kid, probably around like 10 or 11 years old. Um, and it definitely is one of those movies that captivated me a lot. And also, like, this movie, I don't know about you, Bob, but it kind of scared me a little bit. Um, especially that Sid, when it, that Sid yeah, like, was terrifying, dude. Especially going to like Sid's room and seeing the toys all demented and, and messing them up, and like they were creepy. They were definitely scary. Um, and it definitely has like a, a creepy, like underdwelling uh, effect to you, especially as a kid, um, which I think was the point. But 
Um, I gotta say though, watching it again, it is one of those animated movies. I mean, it makes sense, but it just really is one of those movies that really shows its age in terms of quality when you watch it. <laughs> yeah, there was a couple moments where I was like, this does not look so good so anymore. Yeah, it was very janky here and there. I mean, it makes sense. It was the first uh, movie done all on a computer, so they're working out the kinks and all that. But yeah, you can really see its age. I mean, not like especially with the other Toy Stories, there's like a drastic improvement. But yeah, this one it just yeah, it's a little little uh, um, rusty here and there. But so um, still still powerful and, and worth the watch today. Um, how old did you say? I, I I had to get up for a brief second. How old did you say you were when you first saw it? Ten or eleven would be my wow. guess. Wow, I was so much younger than that. I might I have was, been. I don't remember. Uh, so I found these two things while I was wa- wa- rewatching the movie. I went oh, to see if man. I still had these. Um, Wait, did you hear yeah. that? Yeah, I was gonna say. This, did you pull the string. I can't pull the string. I I'm holding. This is terrible you know, audio. I'm holding my old uh, Woody toy and Buzz Lightyear toy. Uh, you cannot pull the string on Woody, but if you squeeze him, he talks. Let's see if I can, if it, it does not sound great, but can you hear that? Yeah. yeah. Please tell me you wrote Bo on the bottom of his shoe. It says Andy on the bottom of the shoe. Oh, okay. Okay. And so does the Buzz. <laughs> Uh, Buzz, the laser does not work, but this works. This is great ASMR right here. Ooh. The wings pop open. Wow. Yeah. Buzz still plays with his toys. Well, I found them. They were in a storage closet down here. I can't, my parents moved recently and I'm surprised they, they survived the move. It's just like the movie, you know? Yeah, you're in toy, you're at the end of Toy Story Three right now. I I this is the end of Bo's Toy Story Three. Bo's about to graduate college. He's looking at his toys that he used to reminisce with back in the day. He's bringing them back out to play with them one last time before he sends them <laughs> off. Um, I set them up next to me on the couch. I was watching the movie <laughs> and sending a bunch of people pictures of it. Are you about uh, to donate them to your uh, neighbor who was a kid? Uh, no, I'm keeping these things forever. I think they might be worth some money. <laughs> like, I bet if I put batteries in the buzz, it would talk. And I bet I could get the laser to work again. So I am going to try and sell these on eBay. I am the realistic <laughs> version of Andy. <laughs> yeah, the modern-day version If he's available. Yeah, man, if he's in college, dude, he is totally like, oh, my God, I have, like, a vintage, pristine Buzz Lightyear. Like, <laughs> I'm selling the shit out of this. Uh, Toy Story 5, there, he, there it is. He's scrambling around looking to see if he still has the spaceship box. <laughs> Look at this. It stands up still. The joints are in great great condition yeah i loved in this movie uh still made me laugh was when uh buzz comes out of his box and he's still in like programmer mode basically and hasn't figured out like he can do his own thing and he looks over at his box and like part of the cardboard's ripped off and he's like oh my wings are are broken it's gonna take weeks to repair (laughs) there's so many great buzz lightyear lines in this one uh what's the one where like Oh, it's when uh, he says, you are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. That fucking kills me every time. And also, when he gets drunk 
in the tea scene when he like realizes he's not a toy and like this this toy has just had an existential crisis he realizes he is not a real person and yeah. he is like hammered and she calls him like what what is it like mrs like Dem- i can't it's going to bug me now like mrs less lesser mrs nesbit mrs nesbit i got yeah. it and then <laughs> He says, Woody, what happened to you? One minute you're defending the whole galaxy and suddenly you find yourself sucking down Darjeeling with Marie Antoinette and her <laughs> little sister. And then uh, he goes, like, he's like, I gotta get you out of here, Buzz. And then Buzz goes, don't you get it? And he goes, you see the hat? I'm Mrs. Nesbitt. Like, <laughs> so fucking funny. And then he goes, uh, and then he slaps him with his own arm and he's like, ah, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm a little bit depressed. Like, <laughs> Yeah, got a little dark there for a sec. Oh, it's so great. Um, So Billy Crystal was also originally offered the chance to be Buzz Lightyear. Uh, Different movie, if it's not Tim Allen. I love Billy Crystal, but I don't think he's good for this. Yeah, and I'd say, yeah, I mean, definitely Tim Allen did a great job, but I think Tom Hanks was the one who really brought this movie to life. I mean, Well, yeah. Um, and also, re- like rewatching this, Tom Hanks' voice in this is so much like higher pitched than it is now. Right. Um, he did his lines in like '93. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was also like 28 years ago. So. Right, but I'm saying even for 1995, his voice had changed. This was post. This was, he did his lines pre Forrest Gump that came out in '94, and then this movie came out in '95. Like it was in development for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, you can really see like the difference in his voice and like how young he was back then. The the carpet that in Sid's house has the same hexagonal pattern as the carpet in the Overlook Hotel. <laughs> yeah, there there was throw a bunch of like Easter eggs like that in there. Oh, like, it's so movies. good. Um, another thing about the Billy Crystal thing, I'm just kind of scrolling through the trivia here because uh, there's a ton of interesting stuff. The uh, so Billy Crystal when they called to offer him uh, Mike Wazowski, like, Lasseter heard that Billy Crystal, like, Billy Crystal said his biggest regret was not being in this movie. And he said it's like a magazine or something. And then Lasseter hears that, calls him, his wife, Crystal's wife walks up to him and goes, John Lasseter wants to speak to you. Billy Crystal takes the phone and just says yes. I mean, yeah, you gotta... And now, I mean, what my, I mean, Monsters Universe, Monsters Inc. got a sequel and a TV show, mm-hmm. and it's also a, it's my, Monsters Inc. is my favorite Pixar movie. I'll just say that. I think. Yeah, it's, it's in my top three for sure. It's aged the best, in my opinion. I, well, Toy Story will always have aged the best, I think, but Monsters Inc. is fucking funny. Um, God, there's I have so many memories with Toy Story that it's really hard for me to objectively look at it. Like I agree that the. Yeah. CGI, you know, CGI animation style has not aged well, especially, you know, in comparison to what's being done now. But I also, like, you know, maybe this is just me, but I think it gives it, like, kind of a classic look, you know. Mm. And that might completely change if I, you know, were to show it to my kids and then they're, like, they've seen Moana by then and they're, like, this looks like fucking shit. And I'm, like, you're four. You shouldn't be swearing like that. I am really curious how kids today would think about this movie. Um... Also, this movie just completely destroyed the hand-drawn animation 
genre. It killed it. It it absolutely killed it. Lilo and Stitch was dis I I believe Disney's last fully hand drawn animated movie. Um, in between the release of uh, Toy Story and Chicken Little, which is their first CGI movie, that's a weird choice. In between then, though, we did get some bangers out of Disney. Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan, uh, Emperor's New Groove, Lilo and Stitch, Treasure Planet, uh, and Brother Bear were all released before Chicken Little, which is where it ends, apparently. Oh, no, and uh, Princess and the Frog was the last one. That was 2009, but they haven't done one since then, a hand-drawn since then. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this movie was revolutionary in tons of different ways. I know, but I think it's it's just more me kind of grieving the loss of hand-drawn animation, or at least big-budget, mainstream hand-drawn animation. It still exists, but it's not as popular anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. I watched a fucking 2021 hand-drawn animation movie last year called CryptoZoo. Not about, like, cryptocurrency. It was about, like, cryptids, the animals. That was the weirdest movie I've ever seen. (laughs) It's so strange. Look it up if you're into weird animation. It's weird animation. Um, man, I just, I want to do this is making me want to do the Treasure Planet pod. That movie is a banger. Absolute banger. It's overhated. Um, Goo Goo Dolls on the soundtrack. <laughs> Speaking of the soundtrack, uh, Randy Newman. Maybe the greatest animated movie soundtrack of all time. God, Oh, okay. <laughs> That's all I got. I did not know we were doing the impression. Um, he did four songs for this movie, and each one I was like, obviously you've got a friend of me, but each one I was like, oh, these are like actually iconic songs. Well, actually three three originals and then a duet of you've got a friend in me. The second one is Strange Things, which is playing when uh, Woody starts to realize that Andy likes Buzz more than him. And I will go sailing no more, which plays when Buzz realizes he cannot fly. And they just fit the movie so well and are just such good songs. It's, I mean, Disney and Pixar, when they get like original soundtracks done, typically do not miss. Yeah. Phil Collins on Tarzan went way too hard. Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> not even fair. But no, yeah, Randy Newman really just brought this movie to life even more, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is, uh, it, you know, it's, I, it, you've got a friend in me has lasted, you know, stood the test of time just as well as this movie have. I think mm-hmm. that relationship between that song and the movie has really benefited each both of each other too, because the movie keeps the song alive and the song keeps the movie alive. You know, if you hear that song, obviously it was written for the movie, but you're like thinking of that scene. Everybody has seen, you know, the scene in Toy Story that, that, that plays over uh, that song, you know? Yeah, 100%. They're perfect compliments to each other. Uh, I don't want to do too much about the sequel because, I, I mean, there, there's a chance we could do that one day. I, I like Toy Story 2 more than Toy Story 1. Uh, yeah, I go back and forth between 1 and 2. Uh, it, it, one thing I like is it leans into, like, the sequel thing of, like, Empire Strikes Back by having that hilarious, like, reveal of, of uh, 
what's the bad guy's name Zod. in the Buzz Lightyear world? Not Zod. That's the that's Superman's villain. It's something with a Z. It's like Zorg. Zorg. Yeah. Zerg. Zerg. There you go. And having the I am your father reveal in that movie is so funny. <laughs> just like the it just total Empire Strikes Back joke. Like where yes, this is the second movie. Um, but you know, talking about how the animation has aged in the first one, in the second one, it has one of the greatest computer animated scenes I've ever seen when, you know, he the weird ass dude who works at the chicken place is cleaning Woody. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, who that was Wayne Knight as Al McWiggin. Wayne Knight rocks. Uh, man, I just fucking Toy Story's genius. Uh, what about the third one? How old? Let's see. That was in 2010. Wow, I feel like I was much older when I saw that movie. I was like 12. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, um, just as good. I think those three are like the perfect trilogy. Did um, you cry in Toy Story three? Yeah. Come on. I, Fucking, I was sobbing. I was like, yeah. this cannot be real. Like, this cannot be going yeah. down the, the pit. Oh, oh, come on. You're it's so wildly dark. and Especially they, because, like, we, we were around that time where we grew up with these movies, like, perfectly. And that was kind of, like, the end of an era, almost. And seeing these characters almost, like, go to their death. Super sad. Like, literally killing your childhood. Yeah. Um, we can talk about four for a sec, but I think four. I is... haven't seen it. Oh wow! Okay. Um, I you can I mean you could talk about it. I don't care. Like I'm probably never gonna watch it. Yeah, I think it was very very unnecessary, but it was a fine film. They did it. It was kind of like an epilogue, and I, I was fine with that. Um, but yeah, back to the first. Um, yeah, I just I really love how like this movie. Um. Like, it has that, like, comedy side to it, but also, like, Sid's place has got super dark. It's fucking and it had, like, a, dude. a very weird vibe to it. Like, it was basically these, like, people who were <laughs> these toys that were, um... Cronenberg like, monsters. They were yeah. Cronenberg monsters. They were held hostage uh, and, like, morphed and fucked up and just uh, in this house trying to escape, um... And then it goes into the, the grand reveal in the backyard, which is one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie. Uh, they um, weren't even trying to escape. They had like they had like Stockholm syndrome. They tried to keep Woody and Buzz from escaping. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, like, in the beginning, but then they had that huge plan yes. to like, try to get them out when they're swinging to try to reach the doorbell. Um, but yeah, this like the whole vibe in Sid's house is just like it's crazy because we all know that one kid who was like that, um, but. It's just the weird vibes in there. It was based off a guy at Pixar who apparently actually did dismember toys and make them into <laughs> yeah. other things. Like, nah, there's f- those kids out there. Man, I'd love to do that. Uh, wh- who's kids. your favorite or creepiest toy out of Sid's collection? That fucking baby with yeah. that haircut and heads and spider and legs. Yep. Never failed to scare the shit out of me. Yeah, that baby is creepy. It didn't even talk. It just it just stood there. Nope. And then also, like, really not a creepy one, but also f- but just freaked me out when I was younger, when they're coming out of the sand, which is a great, it's a great, like, yes. that whole scene is awesome, and you're like, yeah, fuck this kid, let's give him lifelong trauma. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's what that is. But the doll that comes out going, ma, 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 
Like, it's yeah. not a scary doll, but just hearing that, like, even when you're a kid, like, you know that's fucking it's scary. It's terrifying. <laughs> and even like, just him holding Woody and Woody doing a 360 with his head when he's talking. And then when he finally moves and goes, so play nice. Yeah, dude, when he's talking with the voice box and then he moves his mouth like like if I am Sid, I am shitting in my pants. Like actually taking a dump in my pants. Yeah, and then it cuts to the wide of, of the, all the toys circling him and he's just standing in the middle freaking out. Like that's, that's a scary shot, but it's also so well executed. That is nightmare shit, dude. That is absolute nightmare shit. Mm-hmm. It... But Sid deserved it. He was a fucked up kid. He was a fucked up kid. Dude, he's like nine. <laughs> <laughs> There's tons of time for him to change. I hate Sid. <laughs> it's so funny that everybody cheered for like giving a child lifelong trauma. Like he's not I mean, going to let his. How good, that's how good of a job they did in getting you in like the toys perspective. You know? Yeah. They made, like... It really made it seem like a horror movie. Um. They do a great job of putting you in the toys' perspective too. Like mm-hmm. you're like you're like, the, it's well, little. The, the opening scene was really really great for that. It was when the army soldiers were going down and like, uh, spying on the kids opening their presents. When that, that guy gets crunched, scene. when that guy gets crunched, it kills me. Like in the movie, I'm like like when I'm younger, I'm like oh no, but now I'm like oh my god, they just watched their friend fucking die. Like that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um. um Dude, Pixar, so they had a lot of, like, tricks to animating this movie, and this is not even one that I'm, like, reading right now. It's one that I just, I've just i always kind of remembered. They nailed their shoes to wooden boards and walked to get the, like, how the army men would have to move completely right, you know? Mm, that's cool. And then here's a couple more examples of that. Uh, so some 3D effects were too complex or even impossible to calculate at the time of this film. Subtle tricks were used to avoid them. For explosions, thus the viewer doesn't see Combat Carl's demise. Like, you know, it's off screen. Then hair dynamics, Andy, Sid, Molly all have short hair. Andy's mother's hair is always tied back. And then flying water droplets, since they can't do, they can't, it it was hard to to do the water exactly right. So they made, or not Andy, Woody dump his head into a bowl of cereal and just sent the cereal flakes flying everywhere when like uh, uh, Sid like set his head on fire. Very cool. Uh, I'm so happy Don Rickles was in this movie and Wallace <laughs> Shawn. They're two like all time comedians and <laughs> them like being immortalized in these movies makes me so happy. Yeah, no, they're great characters. And Mr. Potato also the very Mr. Potato end, Head's like probably one of my favorite characters. Mr. Potato Head is a dick to Woody the entire movie. Like Oh yeah, it's amazing. He kicks it off with being like, What? Scared you're being replaced? And then like wonders why Woody is acting so insecure. And it's like so oh, grumpy the whole movie, but has great one liners. And then like he also like completely abandons Woody and doesn't trust him at all. And then at the end when he's like We need to fucking throw him off of the off of the truck like he killed buzz and he's like no i'm trying to get buzz back and he's like we don't believe you and he organizes the coup and then he mm-hmm. gets destroyed like by woody following on falling on him and then the rc car runs into him and he gets destroyed again like <laughs> him being a punching bag at the end was just killing me because he was such a dick the whole time <laughs> yeah and it's always funny when just like all his body parts just fall off of him 
Um, and they're all like replaced in different orders. Like that's just like a, a funny little goof as a kid. And they did not use Don Rickles in Toy Story Four, correct? I, I think know. they. I'm looking at his IMDb. It does not look like he was in it. But he did do all of the little shorts that are that they put out for the. Oh my God! Everybody did the little shorts. Wow! I did not know that. Damn! Mm-hmm. They must have loved working on this shit. Um, but I I remember. I think I read something like they had enough audio that they could have used Don Rickles' voice, and they decided against it for Toy Story Four. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, man, this movie fucking rules uh yeah we all right we talked about how this movie kind of killed the hand-drawn animation we talked about the voice work and the and praised the animation um what else do we have do you got anything left that you want to talk about in this movie um no i just think it was like i know we said the story is not that original but it is a very original of just the idea of like toys coming to life yes the idea of it is yes and i think a lot of creativity stems from that but i think also at the root like this it's just almost like a a friendship movie and kind of like a coming of age movie for these toys and that it's buzz and woody kind of discovering more of themselves right and also like they were very creative in like the toys that they chose to use in this and how they used them like especially with slinky and just they, they really took the toys and like pushed them to their their full advantage, right? Um, which was really unique and cool to see. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love the Woody and Buzz dynamic throughout. Um, the aliens are always great in Pizza Planet. Um, the claw that scene always gets me. Um, and yeah, I, I just love the scene where they inter- interrogate Sid in the backyard and just he freaks out. Um, it's just very satisfying to see. And then the ending's also great, too, when they, they blast off in the sky. I mean, it's an iconic scene, and land in the back of the car. Yeah, man. Um, the, the whole ending is great, especially, like, the little epilogue they put at the end where, like, he's, like, it's Christmas, and they're looking, they're, like, listening to, you know, what new toys everybody's getting, and Buzz is nervous because this is his first time going through it, and Woody's like, trust me, you know, you're the coolest fucking toy ever. If I made it, you know, you'll be fine too. He's, he mm-hmm. says, what could be worse than you? And then they hear a dog bark, and Andy go, it's a puppy, and they just look at each other like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's a cute little ending. Uh, it's a great ending, man. That ending makes me happy every single time. Um, it's a very nostalgic, happy film. That I think so, a lot of our age yeah. demographic has as memories for them forever. So did you have a cowboy phase and did that fade into a uh, no. sci-fi phase? I think that is kind of perfect for this age, though. Like, I feel like if you're, you know, 8 to 10 in this age, like, you're definitely leaving, like, a cowboy phase and coming into a sci-fi phase. Like, in the 90s, you know? Yep, I, that's sure. kind of, That feels just right. I think... I did. I was always like a like I've loved cowboys. Actually, and shit. I might have been Woody for Halloween one year. Yeah, I'm sure you were. I've definitely been both Woody and Buzz for Halloween when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I was, you know, I think I was very much the same way. I definitely had a phase where I was like cowboys rule, and then I saw Star Wars when I was like eight, and I was like, this is what I'm gonna base the rest of my life off of. <laughs> that and Spider Man will be my personality for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah. No, it, it definitely impacted a lot of uh, kids' childhoods. Right. Um, 
But yeah, it was interesting. I know I have a friend that saw it once and hated it. Like hated it as a Toy kid. Story and or Star Wars? Toy Story. Oh and wow! Completely what? avoided all animated movies after that movie. That's... Which is it blows my mind every time I hear her say it. But has he <laughs> reevaluated? Uh, no. She, I mean, she she's definitely watched it. Oh, I think, she re- recently, but um, yeah, she just like completely avoids animated movies now because of Toy Story, which is so crazy. That's fucking serial killer shit. <laughs> How do you avoid? Yeah, if, if you don't like Toy Story, there's something wrong with you. That's what we're trying to say. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, first of all, yes, and avoiding. All animation because of that is bonkers. Yeah, she just never got into it after, which is crazy. <sighs> wow. I hate that. Shout out Julia. Good friend Shit. of mine. Uh, fuck you, Julia. <laughs> God um, damn, man. That, that was such a low note to end on. I'll end on a high note, actually. One thing I loved is when he was becoming a sci-fi nerd. Like, the bed sheets go from, like, you know, like the kind of tan leather khaki kind of colors and they turn into like rocket ships and shit and like everything about his room starts to become spaceships and stuff and then at the end he's still got the rocket ship blankets and but he's like using like the cowboy pillow again which i thought Mm. was like a nice touch i was like oh that's very sweet yeah they really cared about the details in this movie too which was great to see I think that's what that's one what I, I you know whether or not it was consciously or subconsciously noticed by the public. I think that's what people realize set Pixar apart is that they care about stuff like that. More yeah. recently, I can't think of really anything recently that has that Pixar has done besides. I don't know. Nothing. Nothing is really, and this might just be you know obviously a sign of my age. Nothing has really affected me in the way that Toy Story or. Finding Nemo or um, Monsters Inc. really affected me. I think Wally did. Wally did a lot. I loved Wally, and then Soul actually was the most recent one where I was like, "Oh yeah, Pixar still got it." Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it was definitely because it was part of our childhood, and we, we grew up with that stuff. And that was like the f- really the first animated movies that anyone's ever seen, besides just us being kids. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it definitely had a, an impact. Um, are you a Bugs Life guy? Yeah, I like Bugs Life. I love Bugs Life. The blooper, the animated blooper reel at that end of that movie yeah. is one of the funniest ideas I've ever seen. Yeah. One more, one more, one more Pixar movie I need a judgment on. Incredibles. Good or overrated? I think it's wildly overrated. Um, I think it might be a little overrated, but I still think it's a very, very good movie. Is a four point one average on. Letterboxd and has over a hundred and forty thousand five stars. Like yeah, I think that's accurate. I give it. A, I gave it a three star. And I gave Incredibles two like a two and a half. Nah, I like Incredibles. It's, it's a good movie. Mm, I'm anti. Go watch Fantastic Four, the Josh Trank version. <laughs> Grow up. Watch the weird body horror movie that they made about superheroes. <laughs> Ooh. All right. You got anything else? Nah, I mean, this is an iconic animated movie. I'm glad we're starting off our animated month with this one. Yes, and speaking of iconic, what are we doing next weekend? Next week. Uh, fucking, what's his name? The anime movies. I am just showing my ass right here. Ghibli. Ghibli Studio. Oh, yeah. Miyazaki. 
Miyazaki, yes. Um, I've only seen like one of his movies, and I need to see more. Wow. Okay. I know. I'm. I told you. I'm well, like showing. Next week will be uh, a good week then for you. I've only seen Kiki's Delivery Service. Whoa! Not even Spirited Away. That's crazy. I know, and I think well, I have I've, a good feeling Spirited Away is gonna win. So. I do too, but I will probably watch it anyways. Um, Spirited Away is one I'm like saving, dude. I don't know what movie I'm t- like. It kills. I've been trying to think of this recently. There was some VHS Disney movie that had a trailer for a Studio Ghibli movie. It wasn't Spirited Away. It was either Castle in the Sky or Kiki's Delivery Service, and it had the trailer for it bef- like before the, the animated Disney or Pixar movie, and I cannot remember which movie the, the trailer was in and which movie the trailer was for, and it bugs me because it's like a deep-rooted memory in my head. It's just... So specific, nobody's gonna like be able yeah, to tell me. Yeah, couldn't help you there. But man, bugs yeah, me. Studio Ghibli is incredible. I've seen majority of his films, maybe one or two I haven't seen. I just went to his exhibit at the Academy Museum like a month or so ago in LA. Um, he's incredible. He's one of the greatest of all time in terms of the animated world. Yeah, that's why when you sent me that, I, that was one of the things I had a very muted reaction to <laughs> because I was like, I've only seen one of these. Yeah, we'll call to you some more next week. Yes, I cannot wait. All right. That is it. Uh, go watch more animation. That's the point of this week. This month, sorry. Watch more animation. It's good shit. All right. I'll talk to you next week, buddy. Till next time. You've, you've got a friend in me.